This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord and welcome back. Tonight I'm going to be doing kind of a part two, although it's a different message, to this morning's message. My my joy is being able to teach you on the prayers of the New Testament church. This morning was really action-packed. The Lord really visited us and we had such a tremendous time as we took a look and studied Acts chapter 12 and what took place over there. But just before I get into the message tonight, folks, I want you to know that we've made resources available to you in the form of a Prayer First booklet. This Prayer First booklet can be downloaded from our website. A lot of what we're teaching on the weekends is extracted from them. But really we focus on that Prayer First booklet every single morning as we pray together as a staff. So download that. I'm gonna be teaching on the New Testament church today and this evening. And then tomorrow morning, join me for prayer where I'll be dealing with the tabernacle prayer or the second half of that. And then very important to notice on Tuesday, Pastor Greg is gonna be teaching on praying the Word of God. Now, the reason I mention that is because tonight really leans quite heavily and connects quite heavily with praying the Word. So I believe that you're gonna be blessed. So we learned this morning that as the New Testament church, we have a responsibility, not only to glorify God through our prayer life in our own personal lives, but also for the good of others. As priests and kings in the New Testament church, God expects us to use our authority both for His glory and for our own good. And a great example of this is Jeremiah. It speaks of a level of authority that has been delegated to us by the Lord that can really only be understood as we study the life of Jeremiah. So turn with me please to the book of Jeremiah. We're looking at chapter one and verse 10. This is what the Bible says. See, I have this day set you over the nations. Who's he speaking to here? Who's he speaking to? God through Jeremiah is speaking to the Old Testament saints or Israel. And he's saying, I have set this day, I've set, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. For what purpose? To root out and to pull down to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Now hold on there for a second, to build and to plant. For the most part today, the church, the New Testament church has been involved in building and planting. But hey, what about the root out and pull down to destroy and throw down? There are enemies to the cross and their enemies are as alive today as what they were back then. This is what the Bible says. You see, the authority given to us by God through His Word is by far greater than even the normal forces that shape secular politics. Only today can we see how accurate Jeremiah's prophecies were and the level of authority that he operated in as we study world history and the history of the nations that he prophesied over. So what was the basis of this tremendous authority that this one man, this prophet had from God? On what basis did he enjoy such tremendous authority? We're gonna find out now as we go back a verse to Jeremiah chapter one and verse nine. Check this out. Then the Lord put forth his hand and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, 
I have put my words in thy mouth. We ask the question, on what basis do we have this authority? Family of God, tonight I'm here to tell you that the only basis for the authority that we have to tear down nations, to plant, to plunder, the only authority we have is by virtue of the Word of God. Our authority rests in God's Word that has been given to us just like it was given to Jeremiah. Now this is very, very important. Not just to ensure that our personal circumstances fall in line with God's Word, but also governments and nations. This is the responsibility of the New Testament church. Take a look at what it says in Psalm 149 and verse five. Let the saints, how many of you are a saint out there? Can I see your hands? Praise the Lord, we're saints. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud in their beds. It's okay to lay and watch church. That's, what, that's what's been confirmed here in Psalms. This was your last Sunday for that, by the way. Next week, we back. So let them sing aloud in their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. For what purpose? Check it out. Here's confirmation. To execute vengeance on the nations. Take a look at verse eight. And punishments on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains. Listen, we're gonna see, and we saw this morning in Acts chapter 12, Herod was a king that tried to bind Peter in chains. Here, Psalm is telling us that the kings aren't supposed to be binding the church. The church, hallelujah, is supposed to be binding the kings. How do we do that? Through the word of God and prayer, and we'll check that out a bit later, but look at what it says. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute on them the written judgment this honour, this honour have all the saints. Can someone agree with the psalmist? Praise the Lord. Now with this understanding of this authority that has been entrusted to us, now let's move into a New Testament reminder of a significant Old Testament miracle that speaks directly to the importance of knowing God's Word and exercising the authority that has been given to us by the Word of God. We're gonna to go to James chapter five and verse 17. Now we looked at a different verse from James, James this morning, but I wanna just, for those of you that didn't watch this morning's service, let me mention James has a particular authority when it comes to speaking about prayer, praying and answered prayer. He was the one that said, the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much or is active, is mighty in power. You see, James was the pastor in Jerusalem. He only came, he was a half brother of Jesus, but he only came to Christ when Jesus was crucified. In actual fact, he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah until he was crucified. His conversion was so dramatic that he promised, history records, that he promised he wasn't gonna eat again until he saw his brother Jesus. Well, thank God three days later, Jesus arose from the dead and James could eat. But he had such a radical conversion and such a quick catch up that he was appointed the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. There was a two day gap where the law between the kings allowed, or should I say there was a, a window period whereby the Jewish leaders took James up onto the 
onto the temple mount and they asked him to blaspheme God so that they could kill him. He didn't and they threw him off anyway. It's recounted that James fell and broke most of his bones, but he didn't die. They then came and tried to stone him to death. Then that didn't work. And apparently, according to what the historians tell us, someone who was merciful came and hit him with a club. When they rolled him over, history tells us that they noticed that his knees were like the knees of a camel. And he got the nickname, the man with the, the, knees like a camel. Now, why would a man have knees like a camel? Well, simply because he spent more time on his knees in prayer than he did walking around. This is the James that we're talking about that penned these words. Now look at what James says in James chapter five, verses 17 and 18. He reminds us, first of all, that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He wasn't a perfect man. You don't need to be a perfect man to pray a perfect prayer. I'll say that again. You don't need to be a perfect man to pray a perfect prayer. And if you wanna know more about that, check out this morning's teaching. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. Notice prayers mentioned twice in these two verses. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Now there is a huge gap of three and a half years between these two prayers that Elijah prayed, okay? So we notice in the Old Testament specifically that except for one or two exceptions, God sovereignly retains control of the elements, seasons, rain, and so forth. Here, however, in this account of Elijah, we have one of those exceptions where God actually delegates that control and authority to an Old Testament prophet. Why would God do it? But more importantly, how did God do it? The simple truth is through the knowledge of God's word. Elijah could pray this way because he knew the word of God. You see, folks, in the absence of an example, one couldn't help but think it must take tremendous faith and authority to shut up the heavens for three and a half years. Think about it. You'd have to know you've heard from God and have a command from God that would produce the faith to see this sort of miracle realized. This couldn't be like, I wonder if the Lord will do it. This isn't like an under praying and over expectation. I mean, you gotta know that you know that you know. So where did Elijah's confidence and faith come from that James speaks about? And the point I'm trying to make is simply this, and maybe I'll jump to the end and then come back again. So where did Elijah's confidence and faith come from? The same place ours ought to come from. Now remember, he was a man just like you and I, subject to like passions, failed just like we failed, yet he stopped rain for three and a half years. So where did this confidence come from? Well, the same place God expects us to get ours, and that's simply his word. Take a look at what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 16. Elijah obviously knew this verse extremely well. It was on this verse that he based his prayer to God and it is on this verse that God answered his prayer. But be careful. 
Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. If you do, the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut up the sky and hold back the rain and the ground will fail to produce its harvest. Then you will quickly die in that good land that the Lord is giving you. What a warning from the Lord Himself. Don't get involved in idolatry. Otherwise, even that which, what, even that which I've given you will not sustain you. You see, it's one thing, folks, to have faith that stops the rain. And yeah, he's got a word from God. It stops the rain. It's another thing to have the faith to make sure that it starts again three and a half years later. I mean, think about it. What would have possibly happened if Elijah had backslidden during this period of three and a half years? What would have happened? Would the rain ever have come? This morning, I spoke about the importance of consistency in prayer and the consistency of serving Jesus. And here we see it in the life of Elijah. You see, this demonstrates the importance of being consistent in our faith and living by faith and the Word of God in order to see the fulfillment of God's promises so that they can be realized in our lifetime. Consistency in serving Jesus is vital. So we see that he got his faith to stop the rain from Deuteronomy. So where did the authority come from to break a three and a half year drought? How did Elijah know that God would act? Listen, I would wanna know that God could bring rain before I asked him to stop it. That's the importance of knowing the Word of God because God's Word is His will. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.35, cast not away your confidence in God wherein His great recompense of reward. The Bible tells us this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He's heard us, we have what we've asked. So how did Elijah know that God would act? In fact, as I mentioned earlier on, before he prayed for the rain to stop, he must have known the Word of God and that there was provision to build his faith to believe that the rain could start again. This prophet, folks, knew God's Word and he ensured that it filled his heart and filled his mouth just like the psalmist said it should. Let's take a look at this in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 35 and 36. This is where Israel found itself under Ahab. They had been in a drought for three and a half years. And this is what it says, that the skies are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you. And if they pray towards this temple and acknowledge your name and turn from their sins because you have punished them, then hear from heaven, forgive their sins, Forgive the sins of your servants, your people Israel. Teach them to follow the right path. Now there's a whole bunch of stuff there that I don't have to get time, that I don't have time to get into. There's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of conditions there. The point I wanna focus on this is teach them to follow the right path and send rain on your land that you have given to your people as their special possession. As their special possession, folks. I mentioned earlier on that all the authority we have is found in the Word of God. Elijah was a normal man just like us. And we are reminded 
in this example that anyone that is armed with the Word of God can do whatever the Word of God says. God's Word has authority over all of our circumstances, both personally, nationally, and internationally. As the New Testament church, we have a tremendous responsibility to pray, to remain persistent in our prayers, even if things don't change immediately, like we saw this morning, or the way that we'd expect them to change. We are to remain persistent. Now, I focused on the first part of what I'm gonna be reading now in Acts chapter 12 this morning. Really, I wanna draw your attention to the end part, so I'm gonna read it for the benefit of context and also for those that weren't with us this morning. But take a look at what happens here in the New Testament, where the church of Jesus Christ, the New Testament church, armed with the authority and the Word of God, see miracles, signs, and wonders, because they came together to pray with passion, with fervency, with desire, all of those components that we looked, about, looked at this morning that make for really good, powerful, effective prayers. Let's go to Acts chapter 12. And I'm gonna be reading quite a sizable portion of scripture, so bear with me. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. You see, Persecution on the church, persecution on Christians isn't something new. We're experiencing it today, I think, in our lifetime more than what we've ever seen or experienced it before. Governments are coming against the church. They're trying to lock the church down. They're not applying, in my opinion, they're not applying the rule of thumb equally across the board. The church has been held back. Herod tried to do exactly the same. He had a lot of things that he was intending to do with the church of Jesus through the life of Peter. It goes on to say, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval amongst the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to, the guard, to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod, there we have it again, Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after Passover. You see, the, the funny thing over here is that because Herod was in power, he thought he had the power. Because Herod was in power, it was a God-instituted authority. He thought because he was in power that he had the power. That's not the truth. Let's read further. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church, there we go, but the church, but the church, can someone say, but the church, but the church, but Christian family church. I don't know what the devil has planned, but I really don't care in this country for the church of Jesus Christ. We are rising up, we are getting better and stronger. And like I said this morning, you can only poke a lion so many times before that lion turns around, the lion has woken up. And we here at church have woken up, amen? So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying. This is a New Testament church who has the authority of God. They were praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. <laughs> I spoke about that this morning. Faith always sleeps in a storm. Faith sleeps in a storm. Peter played while the church prayed. 
And as the church of Jesus Christ, the New Testament church prays, we can be sure that the same sort of freedom and liberty that came to Peter's life is gonna come to those who need it. Can I get a big amen? So Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put in your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by it. Can you see all the miracles that came as a result of that one word, but? The Bible tells us clearly what the world and what the enemy of God was planning to do to the men of God and the church. All it took is a godly but. And now all of a sudden, because the church is praying, it's opening doors by itself. The angel didn't even touch it. The door just opened. I believe in these last days as the church prays that doors are gonna be opening that previously have been closed. We're gonna step through things in the name of Jesus that we thought might take years. It's gonna happen suddenly because God is a God of suddenly. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of the street, suddenly an angel, the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt. Very interesting phrase, now I know. Not before, now I know. Once he was delivered, then he knew that the Lord had sent his angel and rescued him from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. She ran back without opening it. She was so excited. She, she must have thought God has answered our prayer. Hallelujah. Forget how he got there, that she just ignored him. And she exclaimed to everybody else, Peter is at the door. Look at the praying church. How's this for a faith statement? You've, you're out of your mind. I mean, how often have you been praying for something and you're not really fully persuaded that God could possibly do it or you don't know how He's gonna do it? You know what, folks? This is why we have Jesus. He makes up the shortfall. God, by His mercy, made up the shortfall. The church was praying. They had the Word and they had some expectation. And look what God did. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be His angel. But Peter kept on knocking. I said this morning, that's where they got the song, the idea for the song from, you keep on knocking, but you can't come in. You keep on. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Verse 17. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Now, folks, I'm reading through this quickly but I really trust that the Holy Spirit is doing something in your spirits as you think about all that happened in the life of Peter in one night simply because the church prayed for him. The Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James 
and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. Can you imagine being one of those 16 plus the two 18 gods? Now, after Herod had a thorough search made for Peter, for him, and did not find him, he cross-examined the gods and ordered that they be executed. Herod had no faith in God. He had no faith in miracles. He did not know God. There was no explanation except that these soldiers had let Peter go and they deserved to die. Then it goes further on to say, and here we get to the crux of the matter, which I introduced this message and its basis on. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise, I've skipped a few verses, but the people begin to worship Herod as God because he's the one that thinks he's in control. He thinks he has a say as to what happens in the church. An ungodly heathen king thought he could do or say what he felt should happen with the church. The Bible says that the people began to worship him as God immediately because Herod did not give praise to God an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. But, here we have another but. But the church prayed, but the word of God continued to spread and to flourish. Folks, here is my point as we wrap this up and just before we go into prayer as a church right now. The true rulers, the true rulers of this earth are those who pray. Herod was not king, only perceived king. It was the praying church that was actually in control. It was the praying church that produced angelic intervention. Not only, and this angelic intervention not only brought about deliverance and open doors for Peter and deliverance in the shackles and chains falling off him, but it also resulted that prayer in the removal of everything that stood in the way of the cause of Christ. And let me say this, folks, as we as the church begin to pray, and we're gonna go into a prayer right now, and I'm gonna ask everybody to pray this prayer. If you're laying in bed, get out and stand up. Hold your family's hands together. We're gonna say this prayer together. But I'm saying this, that as we begin to pray as a church, not only are bonds going to be bound, shackles going to be broken, but also every enemy of the cross that is standing, seeking to persecute the church, God will see that they are removed so that the Word of God can flourish just like it did in Acts chapter 12. That, folks, believers, that is the end of the story for the praying church. Success, success, success. So now, what I would like us to do is, we're gonna pray this together. As the worship team plays softly behind us, this prayer is based upon what I've been teaching this morning and this evening and more besides. For these last 15 days of prayer, we've been making some declarations. So let's boldly, let's boldly pray this prayer together. And then as we conclude this prayer with a mighty shout of praise, we're gonna just worship the Lord. We're gonna, we, we just, just for a minute and a half, we're gonna sing and declare, this is how we fight our battles. So let's pray this together right now. Father, in the Name of Jesus, we come into Your presence, thanking You for Christian Family Church International. You have called us to be saints in Johannesburg 
and around the world. As we lift our voices in one accord, we recognise that You are God and everything was made by and for You. We call into being those things that be not just as though they were. We thank You that we all speak the same thing. There is no division among us. We are perfectly joined together in the same mind. Grant unto us, Father, Your representatives here, a boldness to speak Your Word, which You will confirm with signs following. Come on, let's continue praying this together. We thank You that we have workmen in abundance, that each department operates in the excellence of ministry and intercessions. We have in our church the ministry gifts for the edifying of this body till we all come together in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature person. None of our people will be children. Come on, let's pray this together. None of our people will be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. We speak the truth in love. We are growing and a, we are a growing and witnessing body of believers, becoming 500,000 strong, half a million. We have every need met. Therefore, we meet the needs of the people who come, spirit, soul, and body. Now let's pray this together. We ask for the wisdom of God in meeting these needs. Father, we thank You for the ministry facilities that will more than meet the needs of the ministry that You have called us to. Our church, say this with me, our church is prospering financially and we have more than enough to meet every situation. We have everything we need to carry out Your great commission and reach the world for Jesus. We are a people of love as love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We thank You that the Word of God is living big in all of us and Jesus is Lord. We are a supernatural church. We're a New Testament church composed of supernatural people doing supernatural things. Can we say that again? Let's pray that again. We are a supernatural church composed of supernatural people doing supernatural things for we are laborers together with God. We thank God for Your presence among us. We thank You for Your presence among us and we lift our hands and praise Your holy name in the name of Jesus. Now begin to lift your hands and just begin to worship the Lord because this folks is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Thank you, Andrew, lead us. Thank you, Pumi, lead us. Come on, let's praise the Lord together as we pray in Jesus' name.
like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You know, folks, it's through the prayer of the New Testament church that the beautiful name of Jesus becomes the powerful name of Jesus. Say that with me, say this with me. It is through the prayer of the New Testament church that the beautiful name of Jesus becomes the powerful name of Jesus. Come on, let's just praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God, hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe that you're encouraged to spend more time in prayer than ever before. I believe that the Lord has stirred your heart and that's my prayer, that He's dropped that seed within you, a yearning to wanna be alone with God, knowing now the power and the authority that you have through the Word of God to change your circumstances and for us to change the nation. I don't know about you folks, but I sense the presence of God and I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic about our future. Why? Because the church is awake and we are praying. Come on, just where you are, give God a great hand of praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah! Praise you, Jesus! Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 